G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You know, in every culture and in every generation, people have been talking about the birds and the bees. And the conversation never gets any easier. In fact, and you might like to contribute your own thoughts, it may be getting harder to have this conversation. With so many messages about sexuality, gender and identity around them, children need a safe space to learn about these topics now more than ever. Renowned sex educator Patricia Wirakun is back with us today. She has designed six books for parents and carers to read with children aged between 7 and 10. Now, this series is called Birds and Bees by the Book. They cover three foundational topics that help children to understand the family structures in the world around them and how their body and brain are developing as they grow. There are also three extension topics that teach children what's involved in sexual activity, what it means to be a boy or a girl, and how to protect themselves against pornography if they stumble across it. So all these topics framed within the Bible's message that children are unique creations of God and that sex is a precious gift to be used carefully and wisely in the context of marriage. Now, Dr. Patricia Wirakun is an academic, a sexologist and writer. She is a former director of an internationally renowned graduate sexual health program at the University of Sydney and she's joining us through this coming hour And a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Patricia Wirakun. Hello. Hello, Patricia. Patricia, uh, always love conversations with you and uh, stimulating conversations and ones that can tend to sometimes get a little bit controversial. Uh, Should we, in fact, uh, for parents who are listening in with their children nearby, actually uh, rate our conversation PG in advance? Uh, Are those the sorts of things we're likely to talk about, do you think, over this coming hour? I wouldn't say it's PG. However, when we are talking about issues associated with sexuality and education and conversations, it very much depends on the parent and the maturity of the child. So if there are kids around who are like under, I would say, about eight, nine years, and parents are concerned, it may be better to give them something else to do while they're listening. Okay, there's a good bit of advice at the beginning of a conversation all about the birds and the bees. Uh, Patricia, you've got a six-book series that's out. Most people just go one book at a time. You've released six all at once. Uh, Tell us why six and uh, perhaps a little breakdown on what those books are by nature uh, addressing. Sure. Firstly, I guess I need to say straightforward that this is like the third book in a series. So we have the first book we wrote, which was Teen Sex by the Book, and that is for 15 plus, and that's for the older, the teens to read on their own, very research-based. 
then we had one that was for 9 to 14-year-olds, the kind of preteen, early teen, which is written in a way to set up conversation. So the kids read it, but also parents, carers, grandparents read it, and it sets up conversations. So we were being asked, what about the littlies? And so this is really a series of what we would call booklets. They're all about 20, 25 pages. And they come in a pack of six. So they're not six books, but they're six little booklets that come in a pack. Now, why did we write it separate rather than in one book? It's because of exactly what we were discussing at the beginning, and that is that it's up to the parent to decide what they want to talk to their kid and what is appropriate and how mature is the kid. So how we structure the books is we have three what we call foundational topics. So we start with three foundational topics, me and my family, me and my body, me and my brain. And then we have three extension topics, which are learning about sex, learning about gender, and learning about pornography. Now, there was a time not that long ago when we would have said, gender, porn, for kids who are in primary school. And there may be some listeners even now who are going, why would we do that? Why would we talk to our littlies about this? But the reality is, if you don't talk, they are going to learn from their friends, from their phones, from their laptops. This is the reality. If we as parents and carers don't be proactive, they are going to learn it from someone else. So that's why the six books, so that parents can either pick up one as a kid asks a question or be proactive and talk about a particular topic. Now, Patricia, how important is it for parents to consider the value of getting in first before the child picks it up from a mobile device or in the playground at school, someone's got a tablet and they've been Googling all sorts of things, how important is it for parents to actually take the initiative to talk to their children before they start to hear a whole lot of other things that may be wrong and may be dangerous, or it could be from older siblings? How important is it, those, those first contact details about sex and about sexuality? Extremely important. You see, this is research-based now, that we know that children who early in life hear about important value-based issues, and we're talking more than sex. We are talking about general relationships. We are talking about values when it comes to integrity, truth speaking, whatever it may be. When parents and those who are in the home are the people who first start the conversations, then the kids are much more likely to, when it comes to sex, put off risky behavior, postpone any kind of sexual intimacy, as well as come to the parents and carers if they have a concern. For instance, we talk about children, you know, there's so much a talk now about good touch and bad touch and safe touch. You know, we're telling parents, unless you teach them, you teach them early the 
right names to call the parts of their body. They're not going to have a language to understand what's happening to them and not have the confidence to come to you even if something were to happen. And that's just one example. I can give you anecdotes. I mean, there was one time when I was doing a talk on parenting, and this was in country New South Wales, which is where I am in Sydney, and in country New South Wales, and I had parents tell me that just that day they had a child come and say that on the school bus, kids were passing around pictures of people without clothes doing things, in fact, pornography. And this boy was not yet eight years old. So fortunately, they had talked to him about the dangers and saying, if somebody shows you people without clothes, people doing things, and you feel yucky, say, I don't want to see this, and come home and tell us. So you see, this is how ubiquitous the whole thing of sexuality is. And if therefore parents are the ones, or grandparents, carers, are the ones who must take the initiative and be proactive. I like what you're saying about language, because the language we use when we talk about sex and sexuality to our children Uh, it creates a context, doesn't it? Because there's a lot of slang, uh, the slang that is learned in the playground, uh, which is different to the sort of language that you might, as a parent, hope your children can uh, grasp and understand to give them a context. Uh, When we talk about language, how important uh, is that uh, for parents to ensure that they get the language right, Patricia? What what amazes me, no, I shouldn't say amazes me, but what I tell parents and carers is that, look, we give names to all parts, other parts of the body. We give terms for what happens when, you know, we eat, we swallow, we blink our eyes. Why do we stop at giving the correct name to the genitals and to the acts that go with it? And we need to treat it at that level of normality and therefore establish that it is okay. This part of your body, the genitals are God's good gift to you. You know, in the books, especially in the book we talk about, you know, me and my body, we say, read Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to your children. Tell them how you are created in the image of God, but you're created male and female. And so there are special parts of your body that are different depending on whether you're a girl or a boy. And let them know, teach them the parts of this. So each of the books comes with an online resource which the parents can access. And on that online resource, we provide downloadable you know, pictures that if parents want to, they can download and get the kids to color in the parts of their body. Make it a fun exercise for them to recognize that they are made precious. And this part of the body, which God gives them for the special job of making babies later in life, which is how they were made, is something that's okay. It's a special, it's precious, but it's something they need to know and protect and treat as special to be used in the right context 
when they've grown up and matured and are ready for it. Patricia, we might like to think that the school library uh, will have good and useful and renowned uh, reputable resources uh, for children to use. I wonder whether you have a perspective about the sorts of books that are appearing in school libraries of recent years and whether they might reflect the same sorts of values that you're talking about when you are discussing your books. Well, Neil, the very reason we wrote our books is because of that, because parents were coming to us and telling us that the kind of books that their kids were getting shown in libraries and even talked about or read to them were not based on the Christian biblical values that we wanted to give our children. For instance, in the book, Me and My Family, we talk about the importance of understanding what the Bible says is a family, Adam and Eve and the children, man, woman, and children. However, we also talk about the fact that in our culture today, there are all sorts of combinations that children grow up in and situations that are called that are family. So we talk about singles. We talk about, you know, the, the sort of blended families. We introduce the children to things that are out there. We even mention the fact that there are some children who grow up with two women or with two men. And they, they might come across children in school who say they have two mummies or two daddies. And then we explain in the book, Me and My Family, that you need to tell your children that looking at biology, which they have at the beginning of the book, we've said that you need an egg and a sperm, egg from mummy, sperm from daddy, to come together, and then the baby forms in mummy's womb. For that to happen, you need an egg from a woman and a sperm from a man. And so you can't have two mummies making a baby. And so kids need to understand this. But unfortunately, a lot of literature out there normalizes what can never be normal. You never can have two biological mummies or two biological daddies. But sadly, there is a normalization of what cannot be. And there are books that are coming out on that. And this is the reality. What we are seeing in libraries, in the media, and we need television and Internet, and we need to be giving a foundational, value-based, biblical foundation that gives the kids the confidence that even when they hear things in school or read a book, they have the knowledge to critically evaluate it and then come home and talk to mom and dad. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Patricia Wirakun. Her new book series called The Birds and Bees by the Book is a six-book series, uh, tackles all sorts of different elements, me and my body, me and my brain, me and my family, and some extension topics, learning about sex, learning about gender, learning about pornography, and these books to help parents when they're talking that uh, whole uh, issue, The Birds and the Bees, with their younger children. 
children. You can be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. You might have a comment, you might have a question. Uh, you can call us, 1-800-316-316. Patricia, let's take a call from Jason mm-hmm. in Moralbark. Hello, Jason. Welcome along. Good morning. Good morning, Neil and Patricia. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you, Jason. What are your thoughts? I'd like to say that I think that Patricia's doing a great job and I think more academics like her should do some young people should follow her example and also I say that parents need to teach their kids the right things about sexual things and every everything needs to be by the Bible. Uh, good thoughts, Jason. Uh, your response, Patricia, and particularly I think uh, when we talk about uh, by the Bible, uh, some people will think that's oh, that's an outdated old book, uh, but the values uh, haven't changed all this time. Uh, your your specific uh, ideals about using the yeah. Bible as a reference guide. Yeah, I mean, thank you for bringing that up, Jason, because it's very interesting, especially younger people of today, you sort of tend to think that, has God got anything to say about sex anyway? Or is kind of God like this cosmic killjoy who only says, just don't do it? And the Bible, is it just kind of an old-fashioned set of rules? And Christians who follow them are these puritanical, Victorian, boring sort of people. But the reality is that the whole Bible speaks to the beauty of sexuality. I mean, we look at Genesis, and I mean, we ask parents to read it with their children and talk to them about Adam and Eve and how excited Adam was when he saw Eve because in that very creation, sexuality was established when Adam and Eve were alike but like so different that they were excited by being together the first marriage and then we talk about looking at Revelation when Jesus comes back and the church is portrayed as a bride and then we talk about looking at like Ephesians chapter 5 where the uh, the Apostle Paul says it is a mystery marriage but it is Christ and the church. Even that union in the New Testament is about the beauty of marriage. And of course, I have what we talk about to young people as the sealed section of the Bible, the eight chapters of Song of Songs, where there is this beautiful coming together of man and woman in all its glory in marriage and sensuality and sexuality. So the whole Bible speaks of God giving sexuality as a good gift to his people because he loves them. And just like any good gift, he says, here is a good gift, but I give you a pattern and a place where you can enjoy it best, and that's called marriage. So the whole Bible speaks to that beauty, and that's what we want our young people to learn. Thank you to Jason. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, let's hear from Joseph in Blacktown in Sydney. Hello, Joseph. Welcome along. Hello. Joseph, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, yes, um, a, a little bit controversial what, what I have to say, um, but I'll, I'll put it out there anyway. It's, it's kind of a um, not really uh, spoken of concerning this whole um, debate about or, or talk about Christianity and 
sexuality. I myself am, am, un, am, am unmarried, but have made a decision to live a celibate life until I find a wife. Um, we read in the Bible that Job made a covenant with his eyes that he wouldn't even look upon another maiden. And so men, men uh, biblically are taught to, or, or the standard should be, that we have eyes only for our wives, that we can express our sexuality only in marriage. And these are all uh, right uh, and correct uh, views to have. The biblical views, is, it's God's plan for our lives. But what I is actually happening, there's a spirit in the world uh, that's very strong today, uh, kind of a Jezebel spirit, where Jezebel loves to surround herself with eunuchs. And what I've noticed today is that a lot of Christian men uh, that I speak to that are in ministry, uh, just as brother to brother, are talking about frustrations in their sexual lives with wives. And being married doesn't fix that situation. But I would propose that it does. God's plan is that it is meant to fix that situation. We're seeing so much feminist push in the world. It's even creeping into the church now. We see many, many women's conferences. Rise up, you warrior princess, you know, with Gothic type cross type swords. If there was a conference that encouraged our sisters to be a helpmeet, to submit to that and be a helpmeet. Uh, you know, there'd be a, for a handful of people attend tumbleweeds blowing through the auditorium and, and crickets in the background. Why isn't a man's sexuality acknowledged and celebrated by the woman uh, and by society? And and, the, and 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 men having to have their sexuality and their prowess sneered sneered and looked down upon by all, all aspects of society, even in the church today. Joseph, is, some important points that you're making in there. Let's bring uh, let's bring Patricia in uh, as a, for a response. Uh, Patricia, your thoughts on what Joseph's sharing? Yeah, we have moved away from birds and bees here, so I'll try and keep it brief so we can get back to birds and yep. bees. This reads, uh, this um, actually opens up a whole new different area of debate, and I'm hearing a couple of things. One is that Joseph's talking as a single man, and that's important to consider, and that is is sexuality what happens for single people when we talk of sexuality so that's one issue but the other issue i'm hearing when joseph speaks is why is this sexuality of men being put down and yeah in many ways some parts of the church have bought the feminist rhetoric and therefore bought the rhetoric of somehow female empowerment is necessary now we we go right back to the words of um, genesis and of jesus pointing back to genesis in matthew 19 when jesus is asked about divorce he points back to genesis 1 and 2 and we go back to saying god created males god created woman as a suitable helper so we have male and female and their lives and their roles equal but different in roles and in a sexual relationship yes men and women are different and in most places in most situations men are more visual men have different wirings in the brain and women are a lot more contextual and this is why we talk we encourage couples to always communicate 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 talk to each other the book that we wrote and i didn't mention because we're talking about children but we have a book called the best sex for life which covers this area of husband and wife and the need to communicate 
to each other about their needs. And, of course, today, pornography, by providing this easy fix, is a huge temptation for men, yes, but also for women, because we are seeing women who are also getting hooked on watching pornography. And porn destroys your brain. It basically rewires the brain, but it also destroys relationships because it objectifies the body which God creates beautiful to be used in this context as the man's body for the wife and the wife's body for the husband. Whereas porn provides sex as just something that can be obtained at a click. So pornography sadly has become the easy outlet even in marriage when one person is frustrated. So we need to be very aware of that. Sex is a good gift to be used in marriage, but a couple to have a satisfied relationship need to talk to each other. Joseph talked of singleness. And I think one of the big lies of society today is that if you don't have sex, you are somehow unfulfilled and somehow lesser human than somebody who's having sex. And that's a lie. You see, sex is only a part of a marriage relationship. A truly deep connection between husband and wife is not based on what happens in the bed. It is based on the everyday intimacies that they share. Intimacy is not equal to intercourse, and we need to show that to our children, drawing back to what we are talking about originally, that singleness is a wonderful place to be. We worship a single Savior. The Apostle Paul was single. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Singleness is a wonderful state, a full state. You do not have to have sex to be complete, and we need to unashamedly be talking about this to singles as well as to our children. Well, Joseph in Blacktown, and uh, a great response. And uh, Joseph, thank you so much for calling and contributing and uh, just uh, sharing your thoughts with us today on 2020. We are going to take some more calls after Vision National News. A talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We'll get the topic back onto the birds and the bees and talking about parents talking uh, to children. Uh, we're talking especially this hour with Patricia Wirakun, an academic sexologist and writer, We'll be back with more after Vision National News. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. There is a website, birdsandbeesbooks.com. You'll be able to access not only uh, the way to get a hold of these books, because uh, this is actually a pre-launch conversation we're having today, uh, but uh, you'll also be able to uh, have extra information that will go along uh, with the books that will help you be able to uh, uh, to teach your children in an uh, effective and appropriate way. Patricia Wirakun is an academic, a sexologist and writer. She's a former director of an internationally renowned graduate sexual health program at the University of Sydney. She is our guest this hour. And uh, Patricia, as we come back to this conversation, uh, let me just remind parents that perhaps some of the things that we might be talking about may have a PG rating today, uh, but nothing too serious but perhaps if there are young years and uh, some 
sensitive ears uh, listening in. Uh, perhaps uh, just take that into account if uh, if you don't have uh, if you don't have something uh, to do uh, for the children to do other than listening into the conversation today. Patricia, let me ask you about the playground again because children who have access to a mobile device. Mm-hmm. Or uh, and a lot of schools, they just uh, you know everyone has a tablet these days. Uh, the sorts of things our children are exposed to much more significant than earlier generations, and uh, children just as fragile or vulnerable as children have always been when it comes to these. Uh, kids have apps on their phones. Mm-hmm. You've got some concerns about the sorts of apps that kids download. Yeah, because the the concern is that parents seem to be giving kids mobile phone, they're giving them the iPhone, the smartphone, the tablet, the iPad, at an earlier and earlier age. Our kids today are growing up in such a cyber-connected global village, and parents are just giving it to them. And I've heard of stories where kids of like two and a half are swiping the television screen because they think they can change the pictures because that's their world, the world of glass, where they can swipe right and just get any message they want. Before they speak, they're on the phone or their iPad. Now, what kids are doing is they're downloading apps which do various, you know, gaming and chatting, and this can be very, very dangerous. When I speak to schools, uh, the youngest ones I speak to are year five and six, and these are 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds. And I would ask them, how many of you have either a phone or a laptop or a laptop or iPad or, or tablet? It will be 100%. And then I say, okay, keep your hands up if you've got apps on your phone, on your device, 100%. Keep your hands up if you have apps on your phone that your parents don't know about and about 60, 75%, and this is little ones. So there are dangerous apps out there. For instance, there's one which a lot of primary school kids are using called Musical.ly. It's a little red thing with a little white twiggle on it. It's the parents here who want to check the phones. And Musical.ly is an app where kids can lip sync to songs which could have quite a bit of, you know, sensitive sexual input and then they can stream it, live stream. So you live stream these. People can locate where children are. So p- parents need to know what the apps are. They need to know what these apps do. They need to make sure that privacy settings are on, that location settings are off. I bet you there's parents listening who are going, what? So they need to research these. There are some really good sites. There's a site called commonsensemedia.org, easy to remember, commonsensemedia.org. And there are a number of sites like this where you can go and learn about the different apps and what they do. We need to be aware because many of these apps actually segue into porn sites, pornography sites. And that's just one of the concerns of the playground. Then, of course, there is, as we discussed, even if you don't give your child a device, other kids will have a device, and they show it. And there's a sort of a pride in showing off. You know, your parents are so boring. They don't give you, but look what I've got on mine. 
And if you haven't prepared your kid for that, it can be even more traumatic because they're not ready and someone shows them something. So it's not just your device. It's also devices that other kids are carrying around. Well, it's interesting to raise that with other kids in the playground having their devices. Uh, One listener called through just a few minutes ago uh, with an anonymous question, and uh, this is a listener who says, I need advice from Patricia Re what to do about a sexual act done by another child to her seven-year-old. Now, this takes a conversation another step deeper, and uh, and I, I don't, uh, I'm not asking uh, Patricia for uh, you to give a specific uh, mm-hmm. counselling advice here. But uh, this is uh, this is uh, the the person who who called through said uh, might be a a touchy subject for on air, and I have a telephone number uh, that we can connect you with afterwards. But that this illustrates uh, that seven year olds. Uh, get this information from somewhere, and then what goes into the mind uh, eventually has that possibility of translating into the more physical, uh, in this instance, a sexual act uh, by another Mm seven-year-old. This, I guess, is is the natural progression from from not having a good grip on these things. Yeah, because this is what... A couple of things here. Firstly, I'll give you a general statement that this is one of the things that is being reported on more and more. That is child-on-child abuse at primary school and even preschool level, which is part of why we wrote the book. So that, you know, the books, the books that we're talking about, the birds and bees books, because we want to give children or parents the, the tool to talk to their children and say, look, if anyone touches you and you're feeling uncomfortable, say no, run away, talk to a parent or teacher. Three steps. Say no, run away, talk to a parent or teacher. And we have that, like, repeated, I think, in three of the books so that the message gets through. If somebody touches you, somebody does something, you feel uncomfortable, say no, run away, talk to your parent. Now, so that's an important issue. Often it is associated with porn use or that child who's the perp- the one who's doing something, having been abused in some way themselves, because kids have what we call mirror neurons, which works like this monkey see, monkey do. They don't really even know it's a sexual act, but they know it's something that's kind of funny or, you know, something that somebody else does, and they just mirror it, they copy it. So this is something we we are seeing and we will see more and more. But to advise this particular person who called in, this is a criminal act and it needs to be reported. So she needs to go to the school or where she or he, whoever called in, needs to go to the school or wherever it happened and report it because it has to be followed up, not just for the safety of their own child, but also for the sake of the other child because that child is also in some kind of danger. So it's not something that it's appropriate for me to follow up with them, but they need to follow up in their particular situation. So it's very serious, but it is also something that with the pornography and the apps and everything happening, we are likely to see more and more, sadly. Okay. Well, that's good advice. Uh, thank you so much for that, Patricia, and uh, for that anonymous caller who called in. Let's get back to uh, the core of what we're talking about today, Patricia. The Birds and Bees by the Book. It's a six-book series. Uh, it's about to be released, so it's a, a little bit of a pre-launch 
conversation we're having today. Uh, we're talking to parents, but we're also talking to grandparents and carers, mm-hmm. uh, people who are responsible for the children uh, who are part of their family lineage here. Uh, the topics, me and my body, me and my brain, me and my family, and then three extension topics, learning about sex, learning about gender, learning about pornography, a six-book series. They're not all in one book because parents can pick and choose which one is appropriate. So when you've got a hold of this resource that you're producing, Patricia, uh, how do you discern which book to use at what time and what age children uh, ought to be hearing of the information within your books? How do you say to parents, this is, uh, this is the book to use and, uh, and this is the age you should use it? Mm-hmm. The books come... This is why the books come with an online site. So when you buy the books, when you purchase the book set, you also get, and I'm not sure how they're going to do it, probably something on the back of the package it comes in, which gives you the website. Now, on that website, we have a lot of resources, general resources first, that give you the kind of advice we've just talked about. How do you use this? What age is appropriate? What are some tools that we might give you to to use it, things like find a place that, you know, and a time and set a time with the children. For some children, maybe even find a safe place in the house where they know that if you go there and they feel safe to talk to you. So we give you tips on how to use it. And then we say maybe it's best you start with the body first and then the family and then go here to the brain. And so we give you tips on how to use the whole series. Then we have a site for every book which gives more detail and more in-depth advice and resources for parents. For instance, on me and my brain, we have links to what we call cyber smart parenting, which has a whole lot of links to... Um, software which can be used as blocking software and accountability software and sites like the one we talked about, Common Sense Media, Protect Young Eyes, which are some of them Christian sites, some of them secular sites, which have good information for parents. And then when we talk about learning about sex, we have in the extension topic on the online, we have a number of maybe even little videos which parents can use to talk. So there are extra resources on the online site. So the book is for parents to read with the child, but we recommend you look at the online site and get prepared before you actually tackle it because your kids are likely to have a lot of questions which may surprise you. And interestingly, if you can reflect on this for a moment, Patricia, uh, I mean, when you are an adult and you have, I mean, my children are all uh, they're grown up now, youngest is 19, uh, but when you have uh, your, your own memories of your parents taking you through the birds and the bees conversation, things have changed so dramatically that you probably can't these days just rely on a simple conversation here As you're saying, you do need to be a little more sophisticated in your approach to understand uh, what's going on in the lives of children today. Uh, This level of sophistication is going to demand a little bit of time to prepare before you actually have this conversation with your children. Which is 
why we provided the extra resources, because we, what we tell parents is there's two ways of using it. One is to be proactive, which is what we hope parents and carers will do, and that is to actually set up a time and say, look, let's read this book together. But the other way is to be reactive. A kid comes and says, simple thing, you know, Johnny in class has two moms or two dads. How can you do that? So that's a reactive. So at that point, you then say, okay, let's talk and pick up the me and my family. Another situation is a kid comes and says, mom, what does something, using a word which might shock the parent, and say, what does this mean? So when kid comes like that, rather than just say, let's grab the book and talk about pornography, we say, first, ask the kid, Darling, where did you hear about this? Because that's awfully important. Because if it's a sexual word, it can be just a playground word. You know, somebody just said it out loud and I didn't understand it. Or it could mean that somebody is grooming the child or they're showing them pornography or even done something. So we need to ask the child first, where did you hear this? What situation? So ask the child, clarify After clarifying, you ask the child, what do you think it is? What do you know about it? So first ask, where did you hear it or how did it happen? What do you know? And then reach for the book. So it's important for us to get what the child knows before we start just dumping information on him. Okay, and an interesting way to say, well, there's six different books here. Uh, Find out first what the need is, and uh, and your child's need may well dictate which book you use. Mm -hmm. I've got an anonymous caller from South Australia on the line. Uh, Hello, caller. Uh, Welcome along to 2020. What are your thoughts? Hello? Hello. Hello, Hello. yes. Yes, Yes. have you got thoughts or a question? Well, I'd I'd like to ask a lady's name, Patricia, right? Patricia, yes. Yeah, look, um, there's a, I can hear that she's an expert on, on the sexual subjects and there's something in my mind that I've been plagued for all my life. What, what is the earliest that she's heard of children having sex? Uh, okay, an interesting question. Uh, Patricia, did you catch that? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. Uh, you're talking about what is... The question you have is what is the earliest you've heard of children having sex? Okay, Patricia. Um, children having sex under age 18 is illegal, so we don't talk about children having sex. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you and if anyone's about... having sex with a child, it's illegal and criminal. A little bit I'm more just, from the caller. I'm just talking, I'm, think, I'm thinking more like children, between children, what's the earliest? Oh, you mean child to child. That yeah, is I'm still sorry. abuse. Yeah. But we do hear of it in primary school, and as far as I don't, there's no definite evidence, but there's some evidence of even preschool. It's not having sex, but some kind of sexualized behavior. Okay, and so, uh, Patricia, just to uh, clarify, uh, it does appear to become be becoming more prevalent uh, mm-hmm. that we're hearing of these things, and uh, and that might indicate that some of the issues that we've been talking about, so far as pornography, uh, people, uh, children having access to these things on their mobile devices, may be contributing to that. Very likely, that's what I mean. Obviously, it's too early for us to have a sort of a, a this is the causation type research. But everything that we are seeing seems to 
point to the fact that kids in primary school and maybe even preschool sexualized behavior because they're too young to really call it sex but sexualized behavior seems to be related to early exposure to pornography and just television and apps and everything that's normalizing sexual behavior all right, thank you so much to uh, the anonymous caller from South Australia and, uh, of course, just reinforcing, Patricia, uh, that sex uh, before the age of 18 is illegal. And, mm-hmm. and so when these things happen between children, uh, this is also illegal. This is not just something that, uh, you know, I'll show you mine, you show me yours. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is illegal when we talk about these things. So parents need to be on top of those things as well. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Well, we have run out of time. We won't be able to take any more calls. Thanks to everyone who has called through with a question or a comment about our conversation. We've been talking about a six-part series of books. It's to be called The Birds and the Bees by the Book. And uh, Patricia Wirakun, our guest, she's the author of these books and she's written lots of books about these sorts of topics, but this one particularly aimed at children insofar as parents using that as a a resource to be able to share with their children uh, these details uh, when you're sharing the idea of talking about the birds and the bees. Uh, One of those things to especially draw attention to uh, as we say, uh, as we wrap things up here, Patricia, there is going to be a webinar that parents will be able to participate in just on the time when the book is being launched. What will be in that webinar? So we, in the webinar, we will be introducing the books, a lot like what we've talked about each book. We will also talk to people who contributed it, contributed to the book. So we'll talk to the graphic, uh, the people who did the graphics, which is very pictorial, share with kids. We'll talk to the theological editor, Reverend Bill Salier. We'll talk to a psychologist who contributed to looking at it in terms of kids and whether it's suitable for kids. So it's been a team effort. So we'll be talking to the people who contributed. We'll also be talking to some of the people who have shown it and shared it with their children and they'll be sharing with us how useful it was how how the problems they had so whatever so it's going to be a really exciting time and i really hope that when we get around we will share the webinar link with you and hopefully you can get it out to your listeners because anyone from anywhere in australia could join in We'll try and get that webinar address for parents to take advantage of that. Uh, In the meantime, though, uh, the website that is most important if you're a parent or a grandparent or a carer, and I I might add there probably is, uh, you know, in conjunction with parents who make uh, decisions about these sorts of things, uh, but sometimes it's grandparents who have uh, the, uh, the obligation Uh, to be able to talk about the birds and the bees with their grandchildren uh, or carers as well, so not leaving those out. The website to go to is birdsandbeesbooks.com. The webinar is going to be July the 15th, so that's around the time of the launch of the new book series. But the, the, the actual website to remember to take most note of is birdsandbeesbooks.com. 
Patricia Wirakun, just great getting your insights, and uh, we've had some fabulous conversations now over the years. Uh, no doubt we might be talking about this one again sometime soon, and uh, there's pl- pl- plenty more to talk about when it comes to uh, birds and bees and uh, the way parents need to be uh, a little bit more sophisticated in their approach to teaching these things to children these days. But thank you so much for taking some time to share your heart and talk about your books with us today on 2020. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.